Meet your Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts? Are they the exciting new heroes the world needs? Thunderbolts, strike! Today makes at least half a dozen times the Thunderbolts have done the job we used to depend on the Avengers for. It allowed us to move among you, disguising who we really are. The Masters of Evil! In what is now becoming an old story, the Thunderbolts once again save the city. Enough of this hero talk. You will do as you're told. But... He's right. You may be wearing a songbird costume, but underneath you're just screaming me. I can expose all of you right now. So you see, you really have no choice. You know what? We're done playing these parts. It's time to live these parts. No one betrays Zemo. Figures, just when we go in on this hero, thing, our blood runs out. Avengers, Defenders, Thunderbolts, I make any team better. We're Norman Osborn's A-team, and he's the big man in charge now. This isn't the team I used to lead. You, honey, are under arrest. You have to fight for what's right every single day, bulletproof skin or not. The Thunderbolts have worked hard to change people's minds about us, but apparently we've got a ways to go. Hey folks, and welcome back to Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, the fanhole spinoff podcast that answers the question, does Mike like Thunderbolts? And the answer is yes. So, who's with me tonight? I should. Hey, I should what's up? This is Derek. Derek also likes Thunderbolts. And this is Justin, and I also like is the Thunderbolts. Amazing. So we got three people who like the Thunderbolts doing a podcast about them. Like, what are the odds? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure you know the you know the the haps with this uh, show. Uh, we do a, a a crucial issue of Thunderbolts chronology, and then in the second half we do a historical issue that may tie into uh, something that will become important in Thunderbolts. So tonight, uh, the, the first issue we we are on Thunderbolts number nine, and uh, the Black Widow guest stars in it. Did Sam Von mention my name? The Black Widow. Beautiful, sinister, and deadly. Can anyone survive her attack? Her movie may be out this year at some point. We don't know. Like Things are up in the air right now. But this is, you know, is sort of a tie-in, I guess. Anyway, yeah, so, like... Let me, I will, I wrote up a summary for this issue. I will read it and then we will discuss it. So, uh, this is, uh, Thunderbolts number nine, uh, with a cover date of December 1997. Uh, the story title is Life Lessons. Uh, it's written by Kurt Busick and Roger Stern, uh, penciled by Mark Bagley and Ron Friends, uh, inked by Vince Russell, Will Blyberg, and Al Milgram, uh, colors by Joe Rosas, and letters by Dave Lanfair. On a rainy evening, Mach 1 and Songbird take on the Asgardian creature Ogre as it appears in the middle of the city. Songbird pulls a rope-a-dope and KOs Ogre with a single blow from a solid sound construction of Thor's hammer. Mach 1 takes note of her new confidence in in herself, but expresses concern about the risks she took. The two take off after the authorities arrive to take Ogre into custody, but they are flagged down to a nearby rooftop by the Black Widow. She's been doing some investigating since her last encounter with the T-Bolts back in issue 3, and has some interesting theories to share with the nervous Mach 1 and Songbird. 
Allowing them some measure of deniability, Widow makes it clear that she's on to them, and wonders if Mach 1 and Songbird would be able to turn on their boss and play their hero rules for real. Before either can protest, Widow launches into an untold tale from Avengers history to illustrate her point. During the nascent days of Cap's kooky quartet lineup, the public wasn't willing to accept former criminals like Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver as Avengers. At their unveiling, a riot nearly breaks out and Captain America has to usher them all back into the mansion. He declares that their first mission is to try and get the Hulk to rejoin the team, and gets an increasingly left-out feeling Rick Jones to try and pinpoint the creature's location. Meanwhile, in his hideout in Chinatown, the radioactive man watches the new Avengers unveiling on TV and realizes that without Captain America to prop them up, they're barely an Avengers team at all so now might be an opportune time for him to strike. Back at the mansion, the other Avengers lament their bad press as Captain America is told by agents of the mayor's office that he should keep his rookie teammates benched for a while until the media calms down. Captain tells Scarlet Witch he's going out on a mission alone and to inform the others. He arrives at a secret location but is quickly knocked out by unseen assailants. After Scarlet Witch informs Hawkeye of Cap's departure, Hawkeye is about ready to call this whole Avengers business quits already. Quicksilver runs into the room to tell them that Radioactive Man is contacting them with a message. He's captured Captain America and he wants the quote-unquote real Avengers to respond to his demands. After our man signs off, Quicksilver tries to contact Iron Man but gets no response. Hawkeye decides that the three of them will simply rescue Cap themselves. At his hideout, Radioactive Man taunts the bound Captain America, but Cap simply remains calm about the situation. The Avengers arrive at Radioactive Man's hideout and are quickly surrounded by his robot guards. However, the rookie Avengers easily deal with them in short order, and the watching Radioactive Man realizes he must face them himself. As soon as he reveals himself to Hawkeye and the twins, Captain America appears behind him, having easily escaped his bonds. Turning his attention completely to Captain America, Radioactive Man leaves himself wide open to an assault from Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch, who defeat him with impressive efficiency. Later, as our man is being taken by the authorities, the new Avengers are again assailed by the public, who wonder if this whole situation was a stunt to make them look good. Cap tells them to ignore the ingrates and be satisfied with a job well done. Meanwhile, back in the present, Black Widow finishes her story and Mach 1 can't believe that even after they had seemingly proven themselves, the rookie Avengers were still distrusted by the public. Widow tells him that they eventually overcame that and it's possible for anyone with enough perseverance. She leaves him in Songbird with one last nugget to chew on. She's on to the scam. And if Songbird and Mach 1 want to be on the right side when all is said and done, they'd better step up and do the right thing before it is too late. Widow swings off into the night, leaving the two more conflicted than ever. Meanwhile, at T-Bolt's HQ, Baron V and Techno have just completed a total examination of the Avengers files that the city has granted them. Techno notes that, there's it, that there isn't really a whole lot of unexpected information in them, but the Baron tells his comrade that the actual contents of the files were never the point. Now he's confirmed that the files are complete, Zemo is assured that they have the city and the people's complete trust, and thus the time is ripe for their endgame. 
Within days, Zemo will enact his master plan and the world will be theirs. The end. So yeah, this is a, you know, kind of an interesting issue. Um, I, I think I this is one of those issues I missed and I got it eventually in back issues. And I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it props, it, it, the plot progresses in tiny spurts and it like kind of, you know, it adds a little more to like Songbird and, or a little more weight to Songbird and Mach 1's like feelings. But like, it's kind of, it, it's almost like a filler issue, like, but it, like, it's still kind of important, but I don't know, like, what, what did you, what did you guys think? I think it's fair to call it a filler issue. I mean, I I think this is a well done filler issue. You know, like like it, it's it's interesting because we've we've had guest artists before, but where it, it was done out of necessity. But this I think uses the guest artist in a capacity where it enhances the storytelling. You know, like so you get a little bit of Mark Bagley in the beginning, and then you've got like all this kind of to me, like quintessential Marvel art from Ron Friends, you know, like it's like, I mean, I, I, I feel like outside of, you know, like people point to like the, the, the Silver Age of Marvel, you know, outside of, you know, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and stuff like that. You know, it's like I I think the person I think of the most when I think of, you know, kind of like that Marvel Universe feel, you know, he, he worked on Spider-Man and there's, you know, Spider-Girl and Thor and all this cool stuff. So like, I, I, I think, you know, he's one of those guys that just does quintessential marvels. So who better than to sort of tell a, you know, a quote unquote retro look into the past, especially in the nineties, you know, like it's, it's it, and, and, and there are two art styles, I think complement one another in the sense that, you know, Bagley's art style is unique and distinct and has that, you know, I guess for the time, probably a, a really modern flair to it. And I think even even Friends was going for a bit more of that 60s kind of kooky quartet era, you know, art than, than he normally would have been. So, I mean, that aspect of it, like, yes, it's a filler. Do I mind that it's a filler? No, not at all. Like, it's, it's a fun story. I think, I think it's interesting having also, like, the full vantage point of knowing that, like, Chen Lu will one day become a Thunderbolt. Like, that makes this, like, one of those, like, 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 moments where you sit back and giggle, you know, about it, I guess, where you're like, oh, look at that. That's how, how interesting or whatever, you know, and, and kind of having that, I don't know, future knowledge somehow, you know, like, like to me puts a different spin or color on, on this story, even though at this point it's, it's a very classic, like the radioactive man is the villain and that's the end of the, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot of, layers to the actuality of the story but because you're in a universe where you know things happen in the future then and and you're aware of those those uh, historical beats like you can potentially kind of put your own interpretation onto it or or put your own spin on it because you you have other knowledge so it colors how you view you know, a past story and everything. And I, I think it's, you know, this was mostly for me, this is, this is a fun issue. And also I figured like for, for different reasons, like, you know, it's, it's fun to see uh, a Cap Kooky Quartet story. You know, it's fun to see Captain America and it's fun to see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch sort of, 
you know, like on the cusp of that whole, you know, they were part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and this is still like a really early episode in their transition to being Avengers. And then, you know, I figured you'd have your, you know, one of your favorite characters is Hawkeye. And then again, that that also applies to Hawkeye too, I think, right? Because they're, and, and, and probably with much more design at this point, like I bet you, like, the notion of Hawkeye potentially coming in and mentoring some of these characters, like, was probably at the forefront of Busick's mind, even when he wrote this. So, like, there, there's that aspect where it's not quite as... I, I don't think that the Chen Lu thing was known while this was being written, but I'd, I'd hazard a guess that, you know, Clint Barton being involved in this story and being pointed to as maybe the grandfather of, I guess heels turned uh faces you know in the marvel universe you know so to speak like that they would they they would specifically focus on him i absolutely believe that hawkeye being eventually the leader of the thunderbolts was in the cards by this point because he shows up a couple more times in the coming issues like just like in you you would think unrelated roles but like i think it, it it he was seeding this for a long time what about you, Justin? You have anything on Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? Like, were you were you happy to see them show up at all? Like, I know you're kind of a fan of at least Scarlet Witch. Oh yeah, I'm I'm always happy to see the Kooky Quartet because it's one of those things where, as a comic fan, you're kind of like, well, how does that work? Because you've only got like, you know, you, I mean, you go from that initial Avengers lineup with a lot of heavy hitters down to like some you know, significantly underpowered characters. And you're like, well, how does this work? Like, how are these guys going to stop anybody? So I, I was always kind of interested in that era to see how that would work. And um, I remember walking into Walden Books and seeing this cover, like, staring back at me. And you guys know me, like, I like Black Widow. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, Black Widow's going to, is she going to, like, expose these guys? And, you know, you, you see on the cover, like, she's looks like she's defeated uh, Songbird and Mach One, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, on the cover, but not in this issue, pal. And another thing, when it was announced, uh, Kurt Busiek was going to write, you know, the restored Avengers from Heroes Reborn or whatever. Like, this is one of the reasons I was excited. Like, not just because he was writing Thunderbolts, but because of the way he handled Thunder the Avengers in this issue. I mean. Not only does he have this firm grasp of, like, Marvel history, but he can pull out the deep cuts. I mean, how many comics has Ogre been in? I'm like, Ogre. Like, it even took me a minute. I'm like, I think he's the guy who defended Bogle, like, way back in Thor in the early days. But, like, I had to, like, I had to look it up on the Marvel wiki. Just yeah, to, like, sure I, I did, too. Crazy. I was like, where is this guy from? Yeah. But, I mean, like, that that's that's music. Like, it's all these, like, you know, deep cuts where he's like i remember ogre do you and i'm just like kind of um as for the issue itself yeah I, I think it's great because you've got as derek said you've got the what we thought of at the time as the modern artwork of bailey which is really nice and then you've got that kind of uh appeal to the 60s art where it looks a little bit more uh of a throwback but it's really great work and like i said anytime you can see the Cap's Cookie Quartet, or or any comic that has a flashback to those early days, if it's the original Avengers, or or especially if it's like the the original Avengers with the Hulk. Like I'm always, you know, well, as I say, and as Derek is fond of quoting me, like you have my attention. So that's one of those things I always like 
I guess it is kind of a filler, but I don't know. I know I feel like the term filler is like negative now because of like, you know, bleach. You know, it's mm. like, oh man, there's so much filler and bleach in Naruto, but like this is I mean, in the overall like story of the Thunderbolts, like I guess it is a filler because it it's showing you something else that doesn't really pertain to the current story of the Thunderbolts. But it's it's a really good story. And I think at the end of the day, like that's all that really matters. Like it's you know, it doesn't matter if it's like giving you something current, like you can see like Black Widow's here and she's definitely on to them and what she's saying to Songbird and Mach One is going to have an impact on them. Because she's saying, like, look, here's a story about these three guys. They used to be bad guys, and she herself used to be an enemy spy. But they all turned good and became, you know, Avengers. And she's saying, look, if you want to stop being a pretender and do this, you can. And it's happened in the past, so don't feel bad about it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I I don't think I meant that this was a filler in that those negative terms oh, that you mentioned. Yeah, I, but, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah. but I I think the 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 thing that is enhanced about this particular issue though is the care they take with I mean to me like it reminds me of maybe filler's not the right word but I mean it definitely is a fill in issue per se right like that but what they did that was expertly done was one they had the nice framing sequence from from Bagley to to map it out and then you had this really like I said quintessential like 60s marvel vibe going throughout the the actual quote unquote fill in of the issue and the, and I think the other thing that's important that I mean I I know you say that this era in general whether it's the actual era or someone revisiting the era grabs your attention mm-hmm. but I I think it's it's worth mentioning that this recaptures that era in in a excellent manner like it's not just relying on the good vibes or the nostalgia that people had for this era of marvel comics it actually manages to capture it and and kind of recreate yeah. it for uh, uh you know an issue as opposed to like you know i don't know i, I to, to me i think there's there's certain other things where people try to revisit this era like like what, what, what was the thing didn't bend this right like an earth's mightiest heroes thing and it's just this this kind of either right before this era or around this era and they're all just be, being like you know talking heads being interviewed and stuff like that like like that i think that's what i thought of when you said you, you'd be all about any of anything from this era and i'm like are you sure it was because i'm like yeah like he wrote some like it was almost like a novel i think oh the oral history yeah it's yeah it's really it's kind of terrible yeah but Uh, i mean i get what you're saying there was definitely care and attention going into this sequence because i mean just look at the way rick jones is dressed like that's definitely from the 60s no one in the 90s is wearing like a long sleeve button up shirt and a sweater. I, I love when when Hawkeye is like Teen Brigade. What decade is this? <laughs> uh, Maybe I'm being I was being a little harsh when I called it a filler, but like yeah, I think Busick is about to enter his like the end game like of his like first year of Thunderbolt story. So he had to dump some like plot points that he had set up. So like he set up the Black Widow in issue three. So he had and I guess like, you know, he didn't have any other plans for her. So, you know, he brought her back 
And then the the whole thing with the Avengers files, it's like, what did Zemo want them for? And then, like, you know, on the last page, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I didn't even really want them. Like, I just wanted, you know, to see if they would give them to me, basically. <laughs> so. that, that seems kind of, but I don't know, like an afterthought, maybe, or, or maybe he had other plans. But, I mean, he's, I mean, we see in the previous issues, like, he has worked himself up into a furor over these files, like, to where he gets, like, you know, visibly angry and irritated, and then it's like, oh, I just wanted to see if they were going to give them to us. I'm like, oh, wait, really? Like, was that your plan the whole time? That seems, I don't know. That I don't know if I'm believing him when he says that. Well, I think I think it's a stepping stone, though. It's it. I think what he's saying is it's not so much about whether or not the contents of the files is useful. It's it. It's establishing that level, level of, of trust. trust. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get it. And, and, I mean, and, 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 and yeah, I mean, he kind of spells it out where he's like, okay, this is step one. Step two is now we're going to have clearance to, you know, do things that, that we normally wouldn't be able to do. And, and this is the point where we can abuse that trust and and take advantage of it i kind of wish that they they showed some scenes of like zemo like and techno like actually like reading through the files and stuff whereas Zemo's like well let's see what her captain has written about me in these files like baron helmut zemo is a big duty head the swine (laughs) (laughs) or i mean even even if they were like reading files about some jobber that the Avengers like trash like maybe once or twice and they're laughing about it like even that would be something funny to, to see yeah yeah they're like oh what, let's see what they wrote about porcupine man something and you're just like oh like yeah we think he's a loser too like it's funny I guess maybe a bet we were t- you said mentioned Justin like bleach filler like maybe a better like you know comparison with this issue would be like this is like a flashback like or a clip show episode but the clips are all new and they're like impeccably like done, mm. like basically like okay, yeah. like they reanimated something from like an old episode, like completely and captured like the flavor of that like old episode. Or or they they they're like, hey, we found a whole box of unused footage from a uh, Star Trek. Let's let's assemble this, and it's actually like from three different episodes or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I liked, I mean, in, 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 you know, in the opening framing sequence, like, I thought it was a cool moment where, you know, they they tie it back into, you know, Ogre's Thor appearance where, where you know, Mach 1's kind of like, hey, this is somebody like Thor or Hercules should be fighting. And then she's like, hey, that gives me an idea. So it was cool to see, like, the the millionaire mil, or, or whatever that gets sonically created by Derek. Songbird. You mean Mew Mew? Mew Mew, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fucking Mew Mew. Uh, that's a, and then, you know, yeah, that's... Sonic, Sonic, Sonic Mew Mew. Yeah. Sonic Mew Mew. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like for me, like like I when when I was a when I was a kid, I always wondered how how you should pronounce that. And then and then I uh, for me, like I feel like I always hesitate. Because I like how John Rhys Davies does it. Because I'm like, dude, if anybody knows how to speak fucking English, it's John Rhys Davies. And I'm kind of like, oh, he called it Molinear. So I'm like, from then I was like, I was like, I'm gonna say it how John Rhys Davies says it. But then like a lot of people are like Molinear, you know. And it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Like that's probably how how you might pronounce it. Like 
you know, in, in another context too. But, you know, anyway. And then, I, and then of course, there's fucking Mew Mew. So. I think back in the day, I used to say Majoner until, yeah, yeah. I th- until someone else said something differently. And I was like, I don't know if that's right. I usually say Mjolnir, but it's hard to say. It's like Mjolnir. Like, Mjolnir. Yeah, Mjolnir. <laughs> But, but yeah, like, and then that's another like you know stepping stone for you know Songbird's characterization where she's more confident in herself oh, yeah. and you know able to take down these threats. And even Abe is kind of like, oh man, maybe she doesn't need me anymore, kind of. But I I also like that Black Widow has switched to her back to her like you know classic like sort of cat suit outfit, like instead of like the crossing era outfit she showed up in in uh, issue three. Mm-hmm. With the what she had like the red like sort of arrows on the sides like I in think that? they were supposed to be spider legs. Oh okay yeah but you know but, her yeah. her classic black cat suit is probably like her best look so uh the crossing when we had all kinds of really great quote quote I'm doing air quotes like Derek and you can't <laughs> see great designs like when wasp was an insect get her because she yep. was a wasp all. Hey, that uh, Splashadoo Toy Biz figure was the bee's knees, y'all. Yeah, I had that. I remember searching for that. I'm like, where can I find this? So, um, along along with this issue, there was also a one-page ad for what was like the Hostess uh, pies. Yes. Like, yeah, yes. So, I don't, Derek. Do you do you want to do you want to summarize it or? Um, I'm like, we should we should just do the the, the recreation like. Thunderbolts in, turnover, turncoats. What are you all lying around for? We're supposed to be taking over the world today! We're not going to take any orders from you this time, Citizen V. Yeah, we're too busy eating these tasty fruit pies. Fruit pies? Ha! We are the masters of evil! The only evil I'm going to be doing is hogging both great flavors, apple and cherry. Yum. Here, try one, Citizen V. The delicious real fruit filling, the light tender crust, just like your mother used to make. Oh, very well. Scrumptious! I never knew pie could taste this good. From now on, (laughs) we'll use our powers to benefit and protect mankind! Not to mention these tasty fruit pies. For a delicious treat, you just can't beat tasty fruit pies. <laughs> uh, that's great. I love, and it's Derek's avatar now, but like, yeah, the, the final panel is like, you know, Baron Zemo's like unmasked, gross looking face, like eating a fruit pie, and he's all happy and shit. Like, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, he looks he looks like a hamburger head spawn or whatever. Like like not not the uh, most appetizing look if you uh, if you want to sell your hostess fruit pies. Did you guys eat hostess fruit pies? Uh, some. I don't think I ate them like a lot when I was little. But... Yeah, I, was, I mean, I, I mean, on I occasion. That was but... yeah. I always, I always thought. I mean, I liked hostess, but I was always more of a you know cupcake guy or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like. I like cupcakes and then occasionally maybe like, you know, snowballs or Twinkies or something like that or the ding dongs, you know, stuff like that. But then, you know, I would always see all these ads and I love the ads and everything, but it's just like, I mean, I might have had like the Apple one, but like I always was like, 
I don't know. I I've just never been like a cherry pie guy. I guess this is the thing. So, but you know, yeah, I mean, it, like I, I would have it on occasion. Yeah, but not yeah. like yeah, I I'd prefer like yeah, like donuts or you know cupcakes. So. Yeah, yeah. But it's a comic yeah. tradition, this... just like sea monkeys. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is a fun. This is a fun recreation, and then it's also it's 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 interesting in that you know you've got kind of a you know I guess what we've been calling kind of like a you know a throwback and nostalgic kind of look back in the the flashback sequence of the actual issue, but then you also have like this kind of you know homemade generated you know throwback to the the actual hostess ads that were like real ads so there's that you know there's that nostalgia over just the hostess ads in general but then it's also applied to like the the context of the the actual plot of this book too like it's it's like it plays off of it it's like you know you could see them sitting there going oh it's gonna be so rad we're gonna have the thunderbolts who are really the masters of evil talking about fruit pies you know like this is gonna be awesome so you could see like there was you know i mean it's 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 a one pager it's a fun little piece but like i mean that's that's bound to to crack anybody up that that is uh you know kind of in the know about what's going on in this comic book Derek, would you say it was for people who were deep in the comic book shit? Yeah, they're they're, they're in the <laughs> shit, man. They, they they know what's going on. If, if you if you know if you know about hostess ads and 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 then and then it, you're a podcaster recreating a hostess ad on a podcast, you're deep in the shit, man. You're deep no, it's, in the it's, shit. It's better in any case than like friggin' Morlin killing hostess pie Spider Man. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, like this is another like you know a nice addition to this issue, and this is a pretty good issue like altogether. Like even you know like I like like I said maybe I was a little harsh when I call it a, a filler issue, but like I'm I'm glad it exists. Like it was something that once I got a, the back issue for, I was kind of like oh well I didn't miss a whole much by not getting this issue. So like I, like maybe I was happy like initially, but I, I appreciate it more on upon rereads. I think this is one of those issues where I read like multiple times. I mean, I think I read the first 12 issues, each individual issue issue multiple times, but there were certain ones like issue one and then this, maybe like 12 and 13 or, or 11 and 12 and 13 that I read like, I don't know, a dozen or more times just because I liked them so much. I think, I think my favorite part about this is that they, they also incorporate the whole, idea like whereas I, I know sometimes some of the early silver age marvel comics get flack for like having people like you know sue storm or or the scarlet which kind of just you know be the the damsel kind of thing you know as as stuff is going around and everything but i do i do like that even in the midst of all this even though it's it's you know retro it's it's you know kind of a a, a you know, nostalgic love letter to that, that Silver Age of Marvel Comics. That she's still the one that's delivering like the the final blow on Radioactive Man and everything. And that whole you know, Cap's like Wanda, you know, hit him with all you've got. Thank you, Wanda. So I I enjoyed that. Yeah, and I feel like even like Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch. While there is still like like some some antagonism between them, it's not like Roy Thomas levels of like you know they were like friggin' screaming at each other at some points, or you know Hawkeye was shooting arrows at people's heads and like yeah, it's a it's a believable level of dysfunction. 
Okay, so I, I guess we'll we'll take a quick commercial break, and then we will be back with our historical portion of the show. So stay tuned. Hey, kids. Do you like comics? Uh-huh. Do you like Iron Man comics? Uh-huh. Do you want to learn more about Iron Man's downward spiral from alcoholism, fear of commitment, and feelings of inferiority leading the egomaniac into a life of misery? Uh, what? Then listen to the Invincible Iron Cast Classics Edition and see Tony Stark go from genius billionaire playboy philanthropist to genius billionaire playboy philanthropist with awesome weaponized armor. Relive classic stories like Demon in a Bottle, Armor Wars, Doom Quest, and more. Hosted by me, Mike Staley. So how about it, kids? Do you want to listen to the Invincible Iron Cast? Uh-huh. Well, too bad. You need to do your homework. Uh-huh. The Invincible Iron Cast Classics Edition. On iTunes or at invincibleironcast.podbean.com. All right, guys. Welcome back to Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning. Uh... This is the second half of the show where we will uh, discuss a important historical issue uh, to, uh, you know, Thunderbolt's history. And in this case, it is the first appearance of the Black Widow, who was, you know, the special guest star of Thunderbolts 9. So, uh, Derek, uh, why don't you give us some background on what we will be discussing? Yeah. So the, the first appearance of Black Widow comes in Tales of Suspense, issue number 52, and this has a cover date of April 1964, but the actual on-sale date, thanks to Mike's Amazing World, is January 10th, 1964. It has a minuscule price tag of 12 cents. It has a 32-page count, but we're only going to be dealing with the 13-page story, which feels like a goddamn graphic novel compared to anything you read today. (laughs) The title is... The Crimson Dynamo strikes again. The writer, or I guess the plotter, as as it says on the page, the the plot is by Stan Lee. This is this is a note of interest. The the actual I guess dialogue person is is listed and credited as N. Korok, and you might be like, who the fuck is N. Korok? Um, and I looked it up, and it turns out that's a pseudonym. Uh, from a writer who has many pseudonyms in the writing business or whatever, you know, different different uh, pen names and stuff like that. And so basically uh, Don Rosa is who the actual uh, writer is. And apparently he was on staff with Marvel back in the Timely days. So he wrote like some of those old Timely comics and everything. Uh, apparently he only has like three Silver Age Marvel credits i want to say like one of them was like journey into mystery and then and then he wrote the two issues basically this issue 52 of tales of suspense and then the the 53 that follows because you do follow black widow you know after this issue and stuff like that uh the artist is don heck the letterer is sam rosen and just to give a hopefully quick synopsis of what happens in this epic graphic novel length 13 pages in the main research plant of Stark Industries, the reform professor Anton Vanko dons his crimson dynamo armor to test his light laser. 
He's about to be disintegrated by the laser, but Tony Stark swings towards Vonko, using a cable and pushes him out of the danger. Vonko is disappointed because his experiments to repay Stark's kindness keep failing. Stark consoles him and suggests Vonko apply additional lead coating in his armor for protection. In Moscow, Premier Khrushchev orders two of his agents, the Black Widow and Boris, to dispose of Vonko, Stark, and if necessary, Iron Man. The two villains travel to America in a submarine. Once they arrive, Black Widow presents herself as Madame Natasha and introduces Boris as her brother, whose cover is that of a teacher from the Ukraine. Tony is captivated by the Widow's beauty and offers to take her to dinner while Boris explores Stark's technology and the factory on his own. Boris waits for a guard to leave and enters the restricted area. Using a mystery fluid, he corrodes the wall of Vonko's laboratory. Boris then uses his superhuman strength to pry the corroded wall open, intending to kill Anton. After Vonko refuses to help sabotage Stark, Boris uses a jet paralyzer, which incapacitates Vonko and wraps him in a sack. He leaves the factory with the sack, claiming it's a package being delivered for Professor Vonko. Boris rendezvous with other agents, leaving Vonko in the submarine and returns to Stark Industries. He slips back into Vonko's lab and steals the Crimson Dynamo armor. He begins to destroy equipment in order to both slow down America's defense production and catch Iron Man's attention. Stark's date with Black Widow is cut short when Happy Hogan informs of an explosion at the plant. Tony returns to his factory with Black Widow, who thinks to herself how glorious the inferno created by Boris is. Tony dons his Iron Man armor and searches for Vonko in the fiery chaos, thinking his experiments with his laser light started the blaze. Iron Man comes upon Boris in the Crimson Dynamo armor in Vonko's laboratory, thinking Vonko has donned the suit to save his laser light machine and offers to carry it outside. Crimson Dynamo strikes the unsuspecting Armored Avenger from behind with an electrical charge that damages his suit's circuits and drains his energy, knocking him out. Under the cover of the thick blanket of smoke, Boris brings Iron Man to the submarine. Iron Man is kept locked behind a steel door while Boris leaves to meet up with the Black Widow and finish off Tony Stark. Iron Man wakes up from his slumber and recharges his suit using a light bulb as a rudimentary power outlet. As soon as he tears down one of the walls holding him prisoner, Iron Man discovers Vonko was also held prisoner. Now realizing Boris must have been in the dynamo armor, Iron Man escapes with Vonko after battering his way through the steel hull of the submarine. When they return to the factory, Iron Man catches Boris by surprise and easily knocks him down. However, Boris plays possum and strikes down Iron Man, who is caught off guard by an electric charge. Boris is about to smash Vonko's ray machine on top of Iron Man, who quickly recovers and flies the machine out of harm's way before resuming his attack. The Black Widow, meanwhile, pretends she is pinned behind the machine and needs Iron Man's help. This distracts the hero and allows Boris to blast Iron Man with a jet of water on his exposed circuits. Vanko steps in and says he'll shoot Boris with his laser light pistol, but the villain thinks he's bluffing. However, Vanko is true to his word and shoots Boris, which causes the machine to explode and kill them both. Black Widow takes advantage of the confusion and escapes. Once the dust settles, Iron Man states that Vanko sacrificed himself to prove his loyalty to America, and he shall never be forgotten. 
The following day, Happy Hogan tells Tony they received a report that Boris's phony sister actually goes by the name The Black Widow. Tony takes pity on her as The Black Widow is later seen on the run, fearing the penalty for her failure to the Kremlin. And that is, in a nutshell, the story The Crimson Dynamo Strikes Again from Tales of Suspense, issue number 52. So yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of a classic Iron Man story. I mean, typically the Tales of Suspense, they would have either an Iron Man lead feature or a Captain America lead feature. And a lot of times they'd both, you know, share the byline or whatever. I mean, uh, all times at this point, I think Iron Man had the lead feature a bunch and it might have been before Captain America was actually getting stories in it. It's hard for me to remember, but... Um, this, uh, I mean, obviously, like, we, we we picked this issue because Black Widow was a guest star in Thunderbolts number nine. Um, there's also the aspect of you seeing exactly what she's talking about. You know, she, she talks about in Thunderbolts nine how she was originally a villain, and, and you see her her villainous roots i guess and then you know it's also interesting to see this from the vantage point of folks that you know might not be super familiar with the classic marvel comics but they are familiar with say iron man 2 from marvel studios and seeing you know why the black widow was was picked to be in iron man 2 and, and kind of why they went with not necessarily Crimson Dynamo, but they, they went with Ivanko as one of the villains, you know, so there's there's a lot of sort of classic Marvel history in this 13 pages. You know, what's funny is, like, I, I have read this comic story before, but I'm most familiar with this story from the adaptation of it from the 1960s Iron Man cartoon. Mm, mm. Like, because like, my cousins had a VHS that had this... I think, like, the first half of this story and this part of the story, like, condensed into one to, you know, basically tell the story of the Crimson Dynamo. And then the other episode on it was the Titanium Man, like, the first appearance of the Titanium Man. So, like, they had a VHS of both those episodes, and we used to watch them, and we used to, like, kind of make fun of them because of, you know, how, you know, if you watch the 1960s Marvel's cartoon, they basically just took the art and then did, like, crappy, like, pre-Flash animation, like, with them and stuff. But, you know, I I still enjoyed them and stuff, and I I think I I still, like, would, um, you know, kind of me and my cousins would make fun of, uh, what's his name, um, John Vernon? as yeah, iron yeah. man like yeah, like he yeah. he he, he kind of had a performance that was akin to like i don't know like you know adam west i feel like sometimes mm, when he was okay. voicing like so you know and i remember there's um i think it's in the titanium man episode but there's a point where he's like calling for happy hogan and he's just like like happy where are you happy happy <laughs> like, like we always used to make fun of that like we like like i'd go in the other room and i'd yell like like happy where are you happy 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 speaking of happy hogan that's one of those things kind of like uh i i chuckle about kind of like i was chuckling about lu chen being the the radioactive man and having the foreknowledge that he'd one day become one of the Thunderbolts in the Warren Ellis run. Like, like, of course I'm sitting here chuckling because it's like happy sitting there smoking a cigarette going, Hey, Peppa, like, when are you going to give me a chance and go out with me doll or whatever he's saying? And it's like, she's like, I wouldn't go out with you if you was the last man on earth. And then I'm sitting here thinking to myself, 
you know, you marry this guy later on. <laughs> so you certainly are going to go out with him. You marry him, and then you you give Tony permission to euthanize him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh no! Happy. It's okay though. He, he got euthanized, and then and then got to date Marissa Tomei, so it's all right. Um, oh boy! For a historical reference, tells of suspense would become a Iron Man Captain America double feature with issue fifty nine. So it was okay, a little so, bit so, off. Yeah, a little, uh, little bit before. Yeah, right? I'd read this once a long, long time ago, so it was kind of neat to to revisit because you know, like all you guys are saying, you can pick up on some things that you see coming, like the you know, Pepper and and Happy. Um, uh, there was a panel that kind of stood out to me. You know, it's like at the beginning when Tony is swinging in to save Banco or whatever. Like, there's this one panel where they both look like tiny midget people. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> yeah, just because of the art. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm like, oh, what happened to you guys? Did you get shrunk by the laser light or whatever? <laughs> um, I, I I do remember from the animated adaptation of this story when. Iron Man rescues Vanko from like the prison and they like fly away. It's like they took that panel of them flying where like both their arms and legs are like spread out like spread eagle and just moved it across the frame. <laughs> so it just looked like they were like a pair of like butterflies like just flying across the sky or something. And then um cuz you know you guys know I like technological things, but like there's that there's I think it's like on the same page like where Vanko has like his chest compartment opened up of his suit and it's like the inside of it it's like circuit boards or whatever but then behind that it's like he's got like padding and i don't know some kind of safety belt strapped across himself so i'm like i was sitting there wondering like what exactly i'm like i guess he's wearing the padding and then he put the crimson dynamo suit over that and then all the circuit boards are built into the suit i don't know i was like so how does this work like he's wearing padding and a safety belt across his chest and then i guess he put the dynamo suit over that and then the chest can open up and that's where his circuitry is i don't know i was just kind of like looking at that i mean it's it's something from a comic book in the 60s so it doesn't have to make sense or matter but i was just kind of like that's interesting well that that kind of reminds me of like the the way iron man suit was was semi-practical for the purposes of a, a comic book superhero quick change but but also was a suit of armor supposedly like I remember yeah. those things where it was like he would he would like wear like puffy sleeves and they turn into his armor and stuff like that and I just always thought that was kind of funny but like it probably the same way you think it's funny that like he opens up his chest and has a circuit board on one side and then a bunch of belts and padding i remember like certain early artists would draw like the yellow bits of iron man's armor like they were cloth or something. yeah yeah no that's what i i mean i remember some of them they were cloth and then he'd like turn on some you know magnet or resistor or some you know techno babble thing and then all of a sudden it would like stiffen up and become armor or something so and i was like i don't know if that's even possible but you know it's a fucking comic book so what do i care you know it's like what what what's easy about it is that he can he can slip on a, a piece of uh cloth and then all of a sudden it becomes uh his suit of armor with roller skates and whatever else is going down 
And then when Boris has the suit on, like he doesn't have a helmet on, but he also has the chest open, like you don't see the padding and the safety belts. It, like it's all circuitry and gizmos. And mm, like, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe there's multiple layers to it. Maybe I'm thinking too much about this, but I don't know. It just kind of fascinated me. He's he's got he's got like his little uh, flip book of circuitry or whatever in his chest. <laughs> this is fun to revisit because I. I I've read a lot of these early Tales of Suspense comics, but it's been a long time. Uh, so these are always fun to go back and, and see again, especially when it's uh, concerning a character I genuinely love, like the Black Widow. Like, yeah, what do you especially... what do you what do you think about this? Like her first appearance and like the way she first looked. Like, is there is there a lot of early installment weirdness for you, or is it just one of those things where you're like, this is cool, no matter what she looks like and and what her her uh, agenda is i think it's cool no matter what she looks like i mean it's i guess you could say it's early installment but because she's acting as a spy like she you know she's deceiving iron man it's like she doesn't have any of her you know she doesn't have anything she would become famous for later she doesn't have her suit or her her uh, stingers or or anything she's just a russian woman She's eye candy there to distract Tony Stark. Anyone who's like familiar with Black Widow from like the movies would probably not find a lot like yeah. familiar here, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what it kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of like the evolution and history of, of Selena Kyle as Catwoman. Mm. You know how she was like the cat and yeah. she was just a jewel thief and she didn't have a costume and then they, they constantly tweak her over the years to give her the big. Stupid fucking cat, cat head, head. And, yeah. and all this other stuff, you know. And then eventually, you know, she kind of got the like the the purple gown and, and and green cape and all that stuff, and that became like the default thing. And it's like it kind of reminds me of like, oh, this is like like if if someone was to commission something, like I think something that would be cool is like, oh, you you'd have Madame Natasha, you know, with her big feather boa and 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 <laughs> yeah. and outfit and everything with the the little veil and all that stuff and then you'd have her hanging out in you know some cool club with with the cat while she's like i don't know purloining some some jewelry from like the stark vault or some some something like that or whatever but but like that's to me like those things seem to be a little synchronous with the 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 evolution of that and then i get i guess the thing for me that's always like hard to wrap my head around is you know it's like because I, I think I always felt that way about Hawkeye, too, because I was introduced to Hawkeye in West Coast Avengers. And it was it was the same idea. Like you, you'd see a lot of these characters and you'd be exposed to them first as heroic characters. Like like for me, I, I, I would always point to you. You guys always ask me when's the first time I saw Black Widow. And I'd always point to that. What if you know, the what if Wolverine was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And even in that, like she's I mean, it, it, it's very it's much more familiar to people who are fans of the movies because in that issue, she's an agent of shield. She's all with Nick Fury and, and Logan and, you know, the whole nine yards. So, and then, you know, she's got her widow stinger and all that good stuff. And then at some point, you know, he lops off her hair to make her look more like sort of the Frank Miller style black widow and all that kind of stuff. But that to me, like that, that's how I think I, was introduced to them. So as, as a default, I kind of think of, you know, Black Widow and Hawkeye as, as heroic characters. And so for me, this is always a, 
I don't know what the, the best way to put it is. I, I, I did not go along with them on their journey. I only found out about it in hindsight, I guess. And, and that's true of both those characters. So I, I it, to, to me, like it's, it's somewhat different than if you, I'm, I'm trying to think of a modern character you might've started out with, but like, say, let, let's use the most obvious example, right? It's like, it's like you, we've all grown up reading comics with Venom in it. But then at some point along the way, he's like saving homeless people and, you know, being a quote unquote anti-hero and all that other stuff. Right. So you you presumably you you went along with him on that journey and you started with him as a villain and the default was a villain. And to some people, they might reject that. But I, I don't think I was ever one of those you know, I, I was not a long time, enough of a long time reader. You know, I was not alive, you know, when this came out. So it's like, it's not like I'm sitting there going, this is so lame, man. Like, Black Widow's a bad guy. You know, like, I, that was never my, I, I never had that attitude about it. So for me, it's 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 kind of like this just fascinating historical look at, at how a character originated and, 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 and to see like such a, I don't know, like such a journey, like such a leaps and bounds that are are done with some of these characters. It's like she she was a a Kremlin spy, and then she's like the leader of the champions or whatever. You know what I mean? Like like things like that, where you're like, or the Avengers, you know. So you're like, it's it's such a journey. I think it's also funny that like there there have been a ton of Crimson Dynamos, but I think like the, the only one people remember is Vanko, basically, even though he was, you know, he was the creator of the suit. And I mean, it, like eventually it gets stolen by Boris here, but like, I don't think anyone remembers Crimson Dynamo being, you know, this guy named Boris. My, my favorite version of the Crimson Dynamo was the guy from the nineties. Uh, I think his name was Shadowoff. And, like, he had some interesting stories for a while, but then he kind of got replaced and they forgot about him. And whenever the Crimson Dynamo shows up in modern day, I think they just give it, like, it's a generic suit and they just give it to some new guy. Do, do you think Stan Lee was having some fun naming the bad guys Boris and Natasha? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Stan Lee. Moose and Squirrel. Moose and Squirrel. Well, that's what's funny. It's like you've got a you've got a Rocky and Bullwinkle parody practically, and then she becomes like one of the most important female Avengers in Marvel cinema. You know, so like that's quite the yeah. quite the journey, right? Like that's that that's almost like Ninja Turtles level. You know, where it's like, you know, it was it was kind of a, a love letter, but sort of in jest to to Frank Miller's Daredevil. You know, and then they. You know, to to a lot of people, they surpass the popularity of of Daredevil. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm sure there's tons more people that know who the Ninja Turtles are. You know now, so it's like that's that's one of those things where you're like, oh, that's crazy. And and, and I'm sure now with with Black Widow being a super duper movie star and and a you know member of the cinematic Avengers, I'm sure now it, it's to the point where a long time ago she might have been considered. A, a B C list kind of character or a second stringer, but now like she's practically a household name. Something that kind of made me laugh, like that first page, you know, the title, the Crimson Dynamo strikes again. Like when I look at Crimson Dynamo and you guys will laugh at this, like 
when I look at him, all I can see is his Gurren Lagan eyes. <laughs> yeah, huh? He's got the like shades almost. Yeah, kinda. I hate that I hate that we're getting like that new Marvel legend of Crimson Dynamo, but it's not this armor, and it's not the armor I want from the nineties, and it's not even like the armor that that was in Armor Wars. Yeah, I, I think I would go with the Bob Layton one if I but that's probably why. There's like there's like probably like twenty million contingents that all want their own armor, so they're giving us something that nobody wants. Now nobody's happy. Yeah, no, no one yeah, now every now everybody's miserable. Hooray. Happy Yeah, like I I've always liked the Crimson Dynamo, even if like I said, I you, you go, gotta kinda pick and choose which version you're talking about. And like we said, this is a uh interesting debut for the Black Widow. Like she goes like she goes from this look to like her fishnets kind of look and then then to the like cat suit, right? I think so, yes. It's kinda like yeah, like sixties to seventies fashion almost, like evolution. But Yeah, I think when she shows up in Avengers later she she doesn't even have the the cat suit. I think she's still in that fishnet thing for a while yet. I like revisiting these uh issues that tells the suspense i like iron man and i know uh our good buddy luke jack and Eddie also is quite fond of iron man so hopefully he's listening and will join this too but yeah. yeah these are always fun to revisit yeah i like i like this and then and then it's it's always funny seeing like that there, there's a certain james bondian aspect to, mm-hmm. to these stories you know because they they have all the kind of technological like super gadgets and things you know and then and that's you know it's like it's like i i don't know what the hell the jet paralyzer is exactly but <laughs> it's like it just you know oh it gets to wrap up vonko I, I always thought that laser gun he uses looks like a garden hose and then that that like in the animated version it like it looks like it shoots water out like it doesn't even look like a laser he's just mm. and like the, the performance is of course like extremely overwrought where he's like i will dare anything for a country that has been so good to me. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, we gotta put the clip in of John Vernon. Poor Vanko. Even at the well, at the end, like you know, he he gives it like some pathos where he's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, the the Black Widow's days are numbered. I pity her. Oh, Vanko! Oh, Vanko! The story of Professor Vanko is told in many places. Just once. Somebody should be so loyal to me. Thank heaven you're back, Mr. Stark. Yeah. I um, had to stay in hiding to draw out Boric and the Black Widow. I knew I could trust Professor Vanko. But why don't we go after that Matahari Black Widow? She won't get away, Happy. She failed her mission. Her days are numbered. Wherever she goes, I'm sure that someday the Black Widow will spin one web too many and catch herself. I pity her. But yeah, so anything else to say about this issue? Like, this this was a good choice. Uh, was it you, Derek? Uh, I think it was Justin. Or, okay. Then Justin, this was a good choice. I retract yeah. my earlier praise of Derek and yeah, instead yeah. redirect think, it to I, you. Yeah, I think I think the praise is all due to Justin's Justin's choice. Yeah. Nostral the, uh... <laughs> You know, uh, it's like we always say on the fan holes, it's bratva. It's bratva. 
And I mean, Black Widow goes on to like show up in Thunderbolts a number of times. So that's, you know, even even if we're, you know, trying to tie in with Black Widow, it's it's still a, you know, Thunderbolts reference. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I guess that's our show. Like, Derek, why don't you do our usual thing? Um, if you want to eat Hostess fruit pies, uh, you can uh, uh, go get them yourself. But if you want to check out Fanholes Podcast, you can go to fanholespodcast.blogspot.com where all the backlog of our episodes are. So if you've enjoyed listening to Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, you can find the backlog of our episodes there. You can download them directly. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on all kinds of streaming media. We're on stitcher radio so you can stream us there we're on apple podcasts we're on google play we're on spotify and we are on all kinds of social media we're on tumblr twitter instagram facebook we appreciate all the likes shares hearts retweets etc that we receive i know a lot of people have been listening in like uh, my buddy aaron head moss like i know there's a bunch of people that are digging these thunderbolts episodes so that's why we're we're kind of cranking some more of them out and everything, and uh, we are pleased with the some of the feedback that we have received. You know, people have been giving us some good feedback, sliding it into the DMs, so to speak. So, so that's that's much appreciated. And yeah, so I mean, you can like like I said, you can check us out on all the social media and and come over to the blog spot if you want to um, start downloading episodes. Sweet. So this is Mike signing off. This is Derek, Derek WC, I'm an ogre, signing off. And this is Justin saying, Dos Vidanya, comrades. Not a yes sir, not a follower, fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer, take a number, I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder, thunder. Now let us look up the Avengers file entry for fruit pies. <laughs> they must have the recipe in here somewhere. I, I thought Zemo was just going to be like, look at what they said about Von Strucker. They said he has a little wee-wee in the, the files. <laughs> it's so amusing. I always knew he had a little one, but the files, they prove it. And now let's read about how mine is the biggest. I would totally go, if someone had files on me, I would totally go and read them what they said.
I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, Derek has all those secret files on us, but that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like when Black Widow says that uh, he's a very bad, dangerous man, and you should abandon him when he goes down. That's 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 uh, that's what Black Widow's talking about. Whenever someone says someone is a bad man, I always think of the Vegeta. Bill Mummy's Bill Mummy's Twilight Zone. Oh. You're a bad man. You're bad. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say. I always think of Vegeta's pink shirt that says oh, "Bad Man" on the back of it. Bad man. <laughs> nope. That'd be cool. That'd be cool if that, that's another. Here, here's another commission. Hamburger head Zemo, smiling from behind but wearing Vegeta's bad man shirt. There you go. <laughs> it's super obscure. And Bill, a little bit mummy pointing at him, saying, <laughs> "You're a bad, a bad man." Yeah, then You're then you have to get man. you have to get somebody who does a good Bill mummy uh, at like what? Oh, six I got years a, old likeness. I got a good one. Here's another King of the Hill reference: Bizimo sharing a fruit pie with Bobby Hill. <laughs> Bobby Hill loves his fruit pies. I was still the fruit pie from the plump child of the Midwest, and they will be mine. Bobby's like, that's my purse. I don't know you. Say. I don't know you. That's my purse. <laughs> he fucking punches. Fucking Zemo Kicks him man. in the balls. I was not prepared for his ferocity. Uh... There was no mention of this in the files. <laughs> the most one weakness is his small wiener. Like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is utter poppycock. Derek is so deep in the comic shit, he needs a life preserver. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know what you're talking about, Justin. I I don't I don't know anything except for Bat Cow and Laurie the Morris and um, I don't know whatever else is like super duper confusing. I know about Faust's like penis attack or whatever. You know, it's really deep in the Derek's shit. like grinding up comics and injecting them into his veins. <laughs> that's that's how you read comics now, didn't you know? This is the new era, right? We're just we're uh, shooting those comics. It's like I got uh, I got Mark I got Mark Grunewald the uh, bloody ink that I'm injecting from my copies of uh, <laughs> the the Squadron Supreme trade paperback or whatever. It's like you're rolling doobies and the paper is made of comic books and also the like weed inside is made of ground up comic books. Tell <laughs> <laughs> uh, those like. It's all those like store overstocks where they rip the top of the cover off. It always made me cry when I would see those at flea markets. I'm like, Justice League number three, why? Why would you do this? Happy 